This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Today on the show, we have Robin Connolly. And Robin co-founded Chosen Experiences with her partner, Jan Stanton. And Robin is a, just a fascinating person. Um, you're just, you're going to love her. Um, she's so kind and giving, but she is a total badass um, who, uh, it's just um, fascinating. So they, um, just a little quick background on them. We'll, we're going to call her and she, we're going to get this in her own words. But my understanding is that she and John had been in the world of clean tech uh, VCs. They were VCs for about 10 years, which is a pretty intense world. And what they found was that the, you know, the, the main asset of a company are the founders. Uh, and these founders were really not taking care of themselves. They were constantly burnt out and they were, you know, it's just, um, it was intense. So they, what they realized was like, if you want to change the world, well, um, let's impact the people that are doing that, that are changing the world. And, and, you know, how can we help them, um, to be happier or to perform better? And from that, they created Chosen. So it says here on their site that, their mission statement, Chosen's mission is to create and support a global community of individuals to explore themselves and the world around them. Chosen's signature programs encourage living in a meaningful, high-performance, values-based lifestyle with self-belief at its core, designed for an, an immediate and measurable impact. Our alumni call this the Chosen Effect. Now, I've, I've known both John and Robin for... Oh, I don't know, quite a while now, maybe like eight, maybe not that long, like eight or 10 months. Um, we saw each other at um, in Singapore at the um, Global Wellness Summit where I keynoted and they came up to me and they're like, hey, who are you? You you like stole our whole like brand book. You said everything that we do. And I we were like, we've been like good friends ever since then. Um, they're really they're really lovely people, and I took I had the honor of taking um, their first resilience course, which was their first digital offering um, that they did in the spring. And I still review that, you know, truthfully every morning. I go through my my notebook and I I follow you know what they taught me. Um, it's been super helpful. We're going to give Robin a call in just a second. Today's show is brought to you by Elysium Health and their new product Matter for long term brain health. You've all seen the articles I've written on Aegist about Elysium Health, and you know how enthusiastic I am about being healthy and tracking my health. I've been taking their NAD Plus supplement basis for years, and I monitor my biological health with Index. Now they've released their second supplement, Matter, for long-term brain health, created in partnership with the University of Oxford. If you're taking a typical omega-3, you should switch to matter because it contains a superior omega-3 that is three to four times more bioavailable than the standard omega. And super-age listeners can get whoop, 15% off matter by visiting explorematter.com slash superage and using the promo code superage, all one word. That's explorematter.com slash 
SUPERAGE and the promo code SUPERAGE. Save yourself 15%. Hey, Robin, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Um, where are you? I'm in Bali, Indonesia. What are you doing in Bali? What's up with that? Like, what's it like working in Bali? It's like a dream, right? <laughs> it is, yes. It's a very, uh, it's a very slow-paced um, place, and there's a beach not very far away, which is very nice. So, um, yeah, and there's a lot of really interesting uh, energy and culture here. So it's a very chill place. Uh, there's a significant expat community here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's island life. So. And, you know, with COVID, are you able to like come and go? Or are you just no. there? Or, no, you're there. Got it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess if, if it's an emergency, I could figure it out. I think they do some repatriation flights, but it would, but there's only a few places that I can go. Um, and it's quite strict and quite tedious. Yeah. Wow. So um, you're sort of a performance expert is one of your many skill sets. So I got to ask you, like, what did you do? Like, what time is it now? It is 8.12 a.m. 8.12 Bali time. Um, I love saying Bali time. It's really fun. <laughs> Bali time. <laughs> um, so uh, what did you, so uh, what, what did you do? What time did you get up? Um, I got up about 6.40. And what did you do between 6.40 and now? I do a meditation, uh, usually somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes, depending on how I'm feeling. Um, I Then I typically get straight up, um, brush my teeth, and then take my dog straight to the beach um, for a walk. Oh, right on. What kind of dog you got? have a Bali dog and they are essentially one of the oldest breeds of dogs. They're, they're basically wild dogs. Wait, um, there's, whoa, 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 I like, there's a thing, there's an actual thing called a Bali dog. Yes. yes. Really? Mm -hmm. All right. So I, I'd never heard, I'm sorry. I thought you were just making that up, <laughs> but like, there's like, so how big, like how much does a Bali dog weigh? So my Bali dog weighs around 17 kilos, but she should really probably be more like 14 kilos. So she's a little bit, we, we feed her well. <laughs> so 2.2 pounds. So she's about 40 pounds. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, she's sort of like a mid-size mid dog, like comes up to your knee kind of thing. Yeah. And what kind of, I, I'm fascinated. There's a thing called a Bali dog. I, I love dogs. I've never heard, I've never seen anyone who says, oh, I've got a Bali dog. Um, mm. Cause they're only on Bali, of course. Uh, like, does it have, what's the fur? Like, what does a Bali dog look like? I'm trying to so, imagine this. Well, so they're wild. So basically they mainly breed with each other. And then of course, sometimes because, um, tourists or travelers bring in purebred dogs, sometimes they get mixed in, but mostly a pure Bali dog is there's kind of four colors. There's white and black, pure white, pure black. And then there's kind of like a brindle. Um, is this a wild yeah. dog? Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a wild animal. You have domesticated a wild animal. It's like, well, like a coyote? Is, when we say wild, so what happens is they're typically village dogs. So in Bali, oh, the, the locals okay. live in villages and then right. they'll have, so the dogs don't live in their house and they don't 
you know, um, get bathed and they don't like sleep inside. They sleep outside and they run in these little packs, but they're essentially there for security. So they, if anyone comes into the village at night or, or is coming to someone's house and they're, the dog has that territory, then yeah. they bark rough, to rough, let rough. them know. And they actually right. also put their entire body in front of their feet so that they slow them down while they let their owner know that someone's coming. It's this very interesting thing. Oh. And you don't train them to do that. They just do it on instinct. Oh, I love that. Yeah, she's wow. super, super okay. smart. They're very smart. So she can ride on, she rides on my scooter in the front on the floor, but she can also jump onto the seat behind me on a motorcycle. She can literally stand behind me and bounce while I drive her. Whoa. It's amazing. And I never taught her that. She just did it one day and I was just like, okay, so you can do this now. <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Things that we learn at the Super Age podcast, Bolly Dogs. <laughs> Who knew? Um, so, um, chosen, um, mm -hmm. uh, what's chosen? Chosen is a learning company, um, that's focused around building a community of lifelong learners, explorers, and people who are interested in greater performance. And we started doing, um, in real life events and we started doing in-person events. Mainly we started in Bali. So Bali is our headquarters and we would bring people in for a week and curate the entire week to what we call an ideal week, which is based on science um, and a lot of research around when's the best time to work out? When's the best time to eat once you do that type of workout and what do you eat when you do that type of workout? Um, and then we kept building it up to add, uh, brain health and mental performance. So we would do, um, you know, yoga in the evenings, yoga nidra, teach meditation, teach mindfulness, and then also have lessons basically throughout the day about self-care, about performance, about learning more about yourself. Um, and we bring in groups of people and we curate these experiences for them. Um, now, in addition to that, basically when everyone leaves and goes home, they say, okay, how do I do this on my own at home? And so we also have online um, virtual courses, programs that basically lead them through um, learning, continued learning in their lives so that they can continue to uh, design and evolve their lifestyle around whatever their objectives are. So it's their optimal life for what their life objectives are. Okay, but now tell me about the helicopters and the glaciers and like I go on your site and it's like it sound it it just looks like we're not doing this in a classroom, right? There's no, no. no. So yeah. uh what <laughs> so tell me like <laughs> so tell me, helicopters, glaciers, like there's like stuff going on. What's wh why? Yeah. What do you what are you doing with that? Well, primarily it's about learning, right? It's about learning new things. Um, and so the idea that we had was to, we want to learn new skills. We want to continue learning through our life. So how do we set ourselves up to best do that? Well, the first version of learning um, the most you can over the longest period of time in your life is that you need to take care of yourself first. So you need your brain to be operating optimally so that it can learn new information, retain that information. You need your body to be um, operating optimally so that, you know, you're not distracted because you're hungry or because you ate something that didn't make you feel well the night before, or you didn't get enough sleep or all of those are sort of distractions that we try to minimize through the self-care program. 
And then on top of that, we're looking for learning new things. And a lot of that's through challenge. So the key here is starting to get to build people to a place where they can um, be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? It's exploring that whole um, area where, okay, I don't know what's about to happen. I feel kind of anxious about what's about to happen. Is this going to be something great and amazing or is this scary and, and confusing and I don't like it? So I pull away from it. So we play with that, that kind of area, that gray area. Um, and we try to teach you the science behind why you might react one way or the other. And then we try to train you or teach you to have a practice around leaning towards the more excitement, curiosity around learning new things. And so to keep people learning new things, a lot of that is around adventure. A lot of that is around travel. So if you want to teach people to learn new things, like what we did last year was we went into New Zealand and we had a helicopter fly us over the back of the Remarkables near Queenstown, Queenstown and drop us into this sort of valley with these three huge snow covered mountains around us. And we sat down for the day basically and we learned all kind of so snow survival skills. So we learned all the things that you need to basically climb the seven summits. Um, and so we had these experts there and they dropped us in as a group and we played with the concepts of flow state. We played with, um, you know, taught everyone what survival gear you need, how to set up, how to layer, how to prepare for cold weather situations, and then how to do avalanche training, how to do snowshoeing, how to do ice climbing, um, all of these things, how to build a ice cave, which was one of the coolest things. So we literally built a, an igloo, like a snow cave on the ground there that you could survive in. You needed to sleep inside of that. So this is one example of, you know, just an interesting thing that when would you learn that? Who's going to teach you that? Um, there aren't that many circumstances on the planet that you would get taught these things, but they can be very useful. And then once you learn these new kind of unique things, you can learn, okay, I love snow, or actually I don't like snow so much, or I like snow better now because I'm more comfortable because I understand the survival mechanics behind it. Um, you can also then take those learnings and apply them to all the other areas of your life. Like what, how can you interpret what you learned, interpret what you learned from this survival training into other areas of your life to continue with this optimal lifestyle design um, that we're encouraging you to do. So, so lots of fun things. I mean, the biggest thing is have a lot of fun. And so that's what we do as often as possible. Try to create these very unique experiences that aren't common, um, that give you a great experience and a unique story, but also is a lot of fun and bonding with, you know, your peers and people like you. So, uh, if I'm learning to like, I'm trying to think about this, right? So, uh, so you're teaching me how to like climb an ice wall or something or mm -hmm. how to, how to rope up across a glacier. All right. Yes. That's a, that's, that's a pretty focusing activity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you've, you have my full attention. If you've got me like Spider-Man up a wall of ice, um, that's all I'm concentrating on. Exactly. And so do you find that like that, so you do that to someone and they're like, unless they're an ice climber, they're really out of their comfort zone. Yes. Um, and then they sort of achieve this to some level. They're not dead. Um, they've <laughs> survived. <laughs> we hope. We um, haven't lost anyone yet, just to be really clear. <laughs> okay. good. That's good. All right. Um, 
We're gonna we'll put that on the front of the site. Hundred percent non fatality rate. Um, right. Uh, okay. So then you've. Well, I mean, so, I think I think that's really important because you do feel there are a lot of situations that your body, your instinct says, "I am about to die," and that's right. really scary. Right. And the thing that we're trying to emphasize is that. If you have the skills, if you have the awareness and the focus and the presence, then these allegedly dangerous situations can be much safer because you're present, because you're aware, because you're paying attention, because you're thinking things through in a different way than, you know, not a distracted or fearful way, but in a, I'm determined, I'm focused, I've made a decision that I'm going to do this. Um, and then also, obviously, when we plan trips, there are guides there. And I think that's a key part of it is that you need, in order to properly challenge yourself, you need a guide to show you the next level of skill set. In order to increase your skill set, there needs to be someone to teach you what the next appropriate level of skill is for you at that moment. And that is the thing that we're actually exploring. So, okay, so now you've got me, so now I'm up the wall, I'm down the wall, I've survived, I'm part of the zero fatality statistics. Great. I feel really good about that. Now, how does this translate? Like, I'm probably never, you know, maybe very infrequently in my life, I'm going to have a chance to like exercise my new ice climbing skill set. But how do you, how do you use that learning, whatever it is that I learned there into something, some new challenge that I may, you know, in my sort of indoor lifestyle business world, how does that translate? Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, and that's exactly the point, right? It's, it's, it's about a practice of learning new things. If you can say, I go into a mountain, I could build a snow cave and climb a mountain. That gives you an, an air and you were like, okay, I would never have thought that I could do that. I never even thought about that as an option as something for me to learn or to try. Um, and I did it. And once I got through the other side, I saw that it wasn't as scary as I perceived it in the beginning. So my expectation was that it was potentially dangerous or scary. And then my experience was that I learned something new. I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I made it to the other side. So even if I didn't properly enjoy it on the other side, I see that there's a sense of accomplishment and I got, I did something that scared me. I overcame that. Then it's starting to build a practice of, being comfortable in that area. So starting to build a practice of trying new things more regularly. And that's gonna allow you to grow and to continue basically a practice of growth in your day-to-day -day life, um, which is what we think is very important, is that choice of I choose to accept more and more challenges each day in my life so that I can learn new things, so that I can continue to build my knowledge base. And so if you take that back to your business, it would be, okay, um, maybe I'm thinking of spinning something off or starting something new, but that's quite scary and I don't actually know what I'm doing. Does that mean now that you should avoid that? Or because you've had this experience that something that you didn't understand or you didn't expect happened on this trip that we had, then you can translate that into, okay, things that I don't know about aren't necessarily bad. They can also end up really good and really promising. So I know that I need, you know, a skill set to do this that I don't have. Okay, well, what we did there is we had a guide. 
So maybe I need to find a guide or someone who can help support me in this. And then that's step one. So you kind of already get past what I think is the hardest part, which is that first part that's like, okay, what do I do when I want to do something or I'm challenged to do something that I'm uncertain of? And that is, you know, be present, be confident, be okay and curious. The biggest thing is to just be curious about it and then to start to collect information and that can be research or it can be finding a guide that will take you through. So it's this idea of not getting stagnant in life, of, of moving towards a life of continual growth. Well, that brings me to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, I know a little bit about your background. Um, tell me, where, you're, wait, you're from Texas? I'm from South Carolina. Oh, South Carolina. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were in Texas. What, where's, where did I get Texas from? School in Texas? Oh, John went to UT. Oh, okay. John, your partner went there. Um, so uh, I, I heard this rumor. I don't know if this is true, but something about like you were in law school and you were kickboxing. Is this mm -hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> and you weren't just kickboxing. You were what? Like ranked. Yeah. Yeah. So we were... I was a, kick, a competitive kickboxer. So we would train and, and have fights and go to competition and all kinds of fun stuff. But basically you, I trained all through law school as a fighter. Uh-huh. So you're in law school <laughs> and you're, um, this is not like an aerobics class. You're, this is full contact. You're kicking people and they're kicking you. Uh-huh. 100%. Yeah, full contact. Yeah. Okay. So you're <laughs> fighting. All right. I love that. So now what I don't now my recollection is you're you weren't just any kickboxer you were a nationally ranked kickboxer. Like Yes. Yeah, what was the number? I was ranked um 2 for a bit but in the end when I retired I was ranked number 3. You retired at 3. The number 3 ranked woman kickboxer at your weight level in the country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. All right. Well that says something. So <laughs> Let's just keep that, let's just hold that here. And then while you're doing this, which most people would think would be a really pretty um, time demanding activity, you have this other thing going on, which is mm -hmm. you're in law school. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I've heard law school is somewhat demanding. Maybe that's a rumor, maybe it's just nothing, I don't know. No, but, it's quite demanding. It's so, very demanding. Right, so now you've got these two um, simultaneous things. You're the number three kickbacker in the country and mm -hmm. you're in law school. How do you do that? Well, um, <laughs> first- How does that work? Yeah, so first I was, I kickboxed before I went to law school. So I started kickboxing in high school. Um, and uh, I used, I started with the martial arts side of it. And so I worked my way up and then I started sparring and I added in some jujitsu. So I was already a kickboxer. Um, I wasn't, I was, um, I would fight some, but not regularly. Um, and then after I got into law school, when I was applying to law school, actually, I was looking for a place that I could keep kickboxing and that was really important to me. Um, and so when I chose the school that I ended up going to, You're I You gotta tell me, what is, the kick, what is the school that a ranked kickboxer decides to go to? Like, what is that <laughs> like in there, like promo stuff? I don't know. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't because it was definitely unusual for them as well. Um, but basically, I went to law school in St. Louis. So in St. Louis, there's a very good um, kickboxing community there. Um, and, 
Yeah. And they're, they're great and they're well-trained and they know what they're doing. And that's actually not that easy to find. Um, and it, so it's, it's actually still going now. It's a pretty uh, deep legacy of kickboxing training coming out of St. Louis. So I ended up going to St. Louis. And the reason I chose that law school was partially because of a scholarship that I got um, there, but also par partially because they had a kickboxing uh, community that I could, not the school, but the, the city of St. Louis had a kickboxing scene, basically, that I could come into. Um, and I have vetted uh, a trainer that could train me and that had the the skills and the everything I needed basically to, to continue my learning in kickboxing. And actually, I, while no one else was doing this where I was, and I'm sure some people do it sometimes, but it's actually really good in my opinion to do law school, which is reading, you know, just reading and writing all the time, basically, um, and countering that with the stress uh, relief of going into a totally different environment and a totally different community of fighting. kickboxers and fighting. Yeah. Fighting. Yes. <laughs> and you don't so, talk much, you know, you're just like no. <laughs> going at it, but it's just like a physical release over here. Um, while in law school, you're just talking and debating and like writing and reading and, you know, analyzing all the yeah. time. So actually pretty nice. Kind oh, of yeah. Did you ever come to class like with like wounds? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Actually, that's why I ended up retiring because I would come in with a black eye or right. a bloody lip, and that sometimes the professors would be like, uh, "Can I talk to you? Do we need to have a conversation?" Um, <laughs> and so once I graduated law school and decided, you know, well, I was going to go to do my uh, MBA, but as soon as I, you know, was moving into the professional world, I I knew that. I couldn't keep showing up with the bruises and the, the cuts and the things anymore. So that's why I actually ended up retiring. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an abusive boyfriend? Or what's going yeah, on? they're like, is something wrong? <laughs> so I had to kind of have talks with all my professors. Like, okay, I fight, you know, I do this after class. I do this on the weekends. So. And you should see the other guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um all right so you so you so you go through like kickboxing law school and then um you get your mba where'd you get your mba um at the side business school in oxford in the uk Ooh. and um yeah. so why'd you do that so i have kind of a strange no, it's not, I guess it's not overly strange, but basically my dad is an entrepreneur and my grandfather was an entrepreneur. So when we were helping out in my family business, when I was younger, I basically realized, you know, maybe early in high school that there were two areas of expertise that were sort of missing from my family knowledge. And that was law and finance. So my undergrad is in finance. Um, and then I knew I was going to go do a JD MBA, which is normally you can do a combined program. Um, but I, I wanted to do at least one of my degrees internationally. Um, and so I ended up deciding to do law school first and do that inside of America, um, because that's a JD, which is a doctorate program, um, outside of America, a law degree is actually usually an undergrad degree. So it's a bit different. Um, and so I did the law degree in the U S so then I knew I wanted to do an MBA internationally. Um, and you'd be surprised there aren't that many English speaking uh, programs outside of the US. So um, 
I narrowed it down to Oxford and IESE, which is in Barcelona, and ended up choosing Oxford because it's Oxford. Like it's, yeah. it's such a unique situation and such a beautiful experience right. um, that I that I was so great grateful and lucky to have. Um, and so it was sort of like, you know, mystical Oxford. They've been teaching there for, you know, 900 years or something. It's crazy. And they have all these beautiful towers and, you know, just this whole vibe there is, it's just amazing. It was a really cool experience. So that's why I chose to go there. Plus it was in English. Plus they have a, they have a really, really strong diversity, um, of students, which is what I was primarily looking for to learn from people from very different cultures. And you're the kickboxing attorney from the U.S. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right on. That was my place in the in the class. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with her. Bad idea. Uh, so then um, I I remember I I, I want to get to like the whole like beginning of chosen and mm -hmm. so um, you met your partner John there and mm -hmm. then um, you guys entered like the wild world of VC. Um, yes. And. Um, so tell me like, um, you know, tell me the details of that, but I, I know that there was like, there were some lessons learned there um, that led you to Chosen. <laughs> yes. So effectively, we decided to start a venture capital uh, firm in Dubai in 2007, um, which was a really heat you know that economy was just blazing in 2007 it was insane it was it was just such a unique experience just to see um to experience something like that like a young economy that's booming in that way and you know there are there were cranes on the skyline and i'm talking not like three or four i'm talking hundreds of cranes on the skyline 24 7. i mean you know you could look at them at four in the morning you could look at them at one in the afternoon they're going all day long just building and building it was insane so we went there and our objective was to begin a venture capital company that would focus in clean tech, so clean energy, clean water solutions, um, which are important for the desert. Um, and what we ended up learning after 10 years of this, basically, um, which was partially spent in Dubai, partially spent in Hong Kong, was that the people that we were investing in, the, the uh, inventors, the um, business leaders, the people that were creating these very um, influential and potentially extremely impactful environmental solutions um, were dedicating their life to their, their life purpose, right? They were dedicating their life to saving the environment. Um, but the big problem that we saw was that they weren't investing enough time and energy into themselves. So you had a very burned out, stressed out person who was desperately trying to push forward to save the environment. And that meant sacrificing everything, uh, their time, their relationships, their, their self-care, and, and ultimately their health for this save the environment. But because the, because the environment outside of them was so stressful, because you're in a startup and you're trying to bring something new to market, it's a very stressful thing and it's very unpredictable. Um, and basically by the time they got to that point where the business needed to have a little bit of resilience, needed to be able to adapt to, you know, different investors from different countries coming in and things like that, they were already so well past being burned out that they couldn't be effective. 
and there, you know, oftentimes there were a lot of stress decisions being made that weren't long-term decisions. They were very short-term decisions for survival. Um, and that's where we decided to create Chosen was that we weren't sure how to overcome that um, from an investing point of view. And what we figured out was that we actually needed to support the people that were building those solutions on an individual basis. Um, and we needed to figure out a way to support them and supporting themselves so that they could perform at higher levels for longer amounts of time. Um, and that's the only way we were gonna get these environmental solutions all the way through this very long marathon journey of creating something and then bringing it as a solution into the market, getting it funded, creating, you know, the manufacturing, the distribution, the sales, like the whole build out, which takes, I mean, you're talking years and years and years, you're talking anywhere from 10 to 20 to 30 years. These are brick and mortar solutions. They're not, you know, online solutions. Um, and so there's a, you have to be a ready for this really long journey. Um, and we ultimately decided that we needed to build something that would support these people and teach them, you know, the minimum amount of self-care that they need to put in and continued learning so that they could continue to be creative in their innovation, but also be available and present um, with a clear mindset all the way through the entire process. And that's how we created Chosen. I think that that's, um, it, you know, I think for super age, I think this is really um, crucial that the idea is um, like, if you want to change the, changing the world is a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's hard, right? Yeah. It's stressful. And the thing that what I love about what you guys do is you figured out that like, if you want to do that, if you want to have impact in the world, have positive impact on the people who are having impact on the world. Like that's the key, like you figured out, like that's the key. And I, I think that's mm -hmm. really fascinating. A hundred percent. And it gets really exciting because I think, um, you know, they were already coming up with very innovative and creative solutions. And I'm super curious once we start, you know, putting these communities of people who are what we call optimized um, together, meaning that they, they, they prioritize a certain amount of self-care. Um, I'm really curious because that will also increase their creativity. Right. Their capacity for problem solving. Right. So I'm super curious about what kind of world, what kind of future we can create when we have a significant number of these people in the marketplace yep. and then also have them interacting with each other and exchanging ideas and knowledge with each other. That's 100%. It's really, um, you know, um, like I just, I, I know for myself, like I cannot, I need to like, if I'm diminished, the whole enterprise is diminished. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to, you know, as hard as it is to like kind of slow down and stop or, you know, do, do the things that I need to do. Um, that's really um, the key. And I, it's, um, I, I, I like, you know, this word that you, well, you talk about self-care. So let's talk about, cause that's really, you, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here, like I, I think what you said earlier, like you have to have a, a certain level of um, brain health and rest and, and, and physical self-care before you can learn, before like, it, before you, your imagination can kick in. Um, if you're in survival mode, you're not being very curious. You're just like, just get me through the next 10 minutes. 100%. Um, so let, so what does self-care mean to you? 
So that's a big question. Um, over the last 10 years, what I've learned, um, and there's been a lot of trial and error, um, but self-care to me means I, I've kind of brought it down to four key areas, at least the, the first foundational four key areas. So I think everyone needs to start with um, brain health, which I also call mental performance. Um, nutrition is very important. Um, movement, a movement practice, and also a recovery practice. And I think if you cover those four areas, which what I find is that the majority of people do not cover those four areas, but I like to create a default plan. So what I like to do is I like to cover these four areas and have a default day planned out effectively for myself. And I say, okay, this is how I'm going to move. This is how I'm going to eat. This is how I'm going to recover. And this is what I'm going to do for my brain health today. And that's basically what I want to do as many days as possible of the year. And so I wake up in the morning and I'm like, okay, what's today? Today's default plan. Like it's go day, which means we do everything in the way that I've planned it. Now I'm not in control of everything. And sometimes that gets, you know, that goes sideways first thing in the morning, or it might make it all the way to the afternoon. And then it goes a little bit sideways. But if I decrease the amount of, um, distraction that I add in there from having an ability to make on the go decisions. If I say, okay, I don't feel like making the decision today because I have a busy day, then I just default to this plan that is good for me, that I've made it from a place of knowing that it takes care of myself. Then that way I don't have to make as many decisions in my life and in my day. And my goal for myself personally is just to do that, you know, 51% of the time. So more often than not. Um, that way it's not too rigid. I don't think, you know, I need to get up every day and do it exactly. And I don't have any guilt or shame around not doing it if I don't do it sometimes. Um, basically, I kind of allow life to pop up in the middle and take over if it wants to. Like if someone invites me out to dinner and um, I'll say, yeah, I'll come to dinner. You know, I had this other healthy dinner planned, but I'll come out and come to dinner with you. And then the next night, if no one asks me to dinner, then I default to my health plan. Um, so I leave a lot of room for spontaneity because I think that's really important. And I enjoy, you know, fun, the kind of fun, spontaneous things in life. Um, but what I've found is as an entrepreneur is having that default plan, like the default plan is I'm going to eat organic vegetables. I'm going to eat chicken or fish, um, sustainably sourced. Um, and I'm going to probably have, you know, I'm going to have some good fat in there and I'm not going to have, you know, sugar, and I'm mostly going to have water or herbal tea as the default. And then everything else that happens is totally okay, but I don't default. And I think this is where a lot of people go wrong is that they default to, okay, now I realize I'm hungry. I haven't thought about what I'm going to eat. So I'm just going to grab whatever seems the most convenient or easiest for me right now because I can't think about it and I don't have the mental bandwidth to deal with that right now. And that's where I find I make the worst decisions. So this is the type of self-care program that I've put in place for myself and that I would definitely recommend people um, creating for themselves. My default is also, you know, at least eight hours of sleep. Um, my default is at least, at least 10 minutes of meditation um, each day. I like to try to learn something new as well. So read a book or do an online course or something, um, even for just 10 or 15 minutes of the day. And then the last part is some movement. So I like to have movement at least four days a week in my, in my default plan. So if you have these four areas covered, which is recovery, movement, nutrition, 
and some sort of uh, brain health slash mental performance, you know, mental clarity, which decreases your stress levels, basically. Um, that is a very solid base self-care program. And everything else on top of that is just extra, which is awesome too. That sounds great. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, it's good to have the default. Like you just mm -hmm. know like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, exactly. for me, it's just you don't make, think about it. Yeah, I, I mean, like I just, you know, it's like my responsibility to make sure there's food here. Um, so at, you know, one o'clock, I don't like totally lose my shit and like, you know, make a bad decision. hundred <laughs> percent. And it's in our, it's our, and it's not like, it's in, it's our instinct to do that. That's, that's in our nature to do that. So that's what we do at Chosen. And what we've learned is that we've learned the science and then we're creating systems to help counterbalance that instinctual reaction that we have, which is like, just give me anything now. And preferably it's got sugar and a lot of fat in it because that's what, you're, when you're starving, that's what your body's going to crave, you know? And it, I, you mentioned something earlier. I get this idea that you're this, like you, you're asking, you're, you ask yourself, um, like, what do I, what do I need today? Like, or, the, mm -hmm. and so that, and so this sort of evolve, is this evolving every day or? How does that yeah, work? So, yeah. So basically I learned this, um, this check-in process that I really like. Um, and what I do is I say, okay, first, how am I feeling in my body? So most of the time I do this on my beach walk each day, but if I, if for some reason I don't go on my walk, I can just do it anywhere. It can take, you know, one minute or it can take an hour. Sometimes it takes me 30 minutes of just exploring what my body is telling me today, what my mind is telling me today. So the first thing I do is I start and say, okay, how, how is my body feeling? Is there any pain anywhere, any tightness, any numbness? Um, I can also do a, a quick body scan. Um, what does my body need from me today? And a lot of times that's like, okay, um, I'm going to do a little bit of stretching because my back feels a little bit tight. Um, you know, okay, um, I feel a little bit of um, digestive issue because maybe I ate sugar yesterday or something like that. So today I'm not going to eat sugar. Today I'm going to have my vitamins. I'm going to have a lot of water um, and I'm going to, you know, help my body heal from that because that's what it's telling me it needs today. Um, and I have this little conversation with my body and I say, okay, what do I need to do for her today? And then I, I name out those things and then that becomes kind of my daily routine. So a lot of times that involves some sun salutations. I do um, dancing, dancing is a lot of fun. I usually do some like emotional expression. Um, you know, am I having an exciting day or a happy day or a sad day or whatever? And I get corresponding music and I just sort of let my body move to it. Um, I like that a lot. Um, I do about nine minutes of hanging upside down, um, which is also really good for my hips and my back because since I'm spending so much time in front of the computer, this sort of allows an extension through my, my back. How do you hang spine. upside down? What do you do? Um, I have a, uh, luckily the lady that lived in the house before me was an Iinga yoga instructor. So she has these brackets in my wall um, and I tie this, um, basically it's sort of like a yoga, um, strap thing that I tie to it. And then I get in with a, with a rope around my hips and then you just sort of lean back 
and bend your legs around the strap. And so you just hang upside down in kind of a yoga pose, basically. Um, and and I look, I'm lucky enough to have that in my home. So I just go over there and just do it. Um, but I build up to nine minutes. I, I started with like two minutes. Um, but yeah, so far for me, that's been really good because I have compression in my lower back. So it lengthens my spine, um, which is really good for me. And then I also do some abs, um, some Pilates stuff. And, and then I'm like, okay, that's what my body needs today. So I create a little system for what my body told me it needed today. And then I move on to my intellect, which is like, you know, the to-do list. What are all the things that are on the top of my mind that I'm worried about or that I'm thinking about? And I write those down and I say, okay, what time of the day am I going to deal with each of these things so that they're not always kind of sitting in my head? Um, and then the third thing I talk to myself about is what emotions am I feeling today? Um, and I think I've done this with you. I use an emotion chart for that because we tend to default to the same kind of base emotions. Um, and so I use an actual chart that I look at and I explore all this, you know, there's 27 different emotions, I believe, at least, and then all these little derivations of that. And so I explore which ones of those I'm feeling today. Usually it ends up being like five or six and, and they're actually uh, countering each other. So I can feel anxious, but also determined, you know, things that don't necessarily go together. I find that I can feel them both at the same time. Um, and so then I ask myself, what do I need to deal with that? Like, how, how can I support myself in, in dealing with these emotions that are coming up for me today? And why are they coming up? Then, <laughs> this keeps going. Then I, I talk about what do I desire? What's my purpose, you know, sort of thing today. And then lastly, um, spiritually, how am I doing today? Which I have an affirmation that I do, which is just, again, it kind of aligns with my purpose. Where am I heading? Like, who do I want to be today and where am I trying to get to? Um, and what do I need to do to support myself in that today? So that actually ends up basically for this short time in the morning, planning out my entire day. But as you can see, the priority is me first. And then I go in and put in my business to do's on top of that. But I have the base program, which is things that I'm meeting each day. And there's space for me to change it each and every day because some days I don't want to move like I don't feel like moving is a good idea instead I might need to get um, a massage or I might need to just take a walk in nature like a really slow chill walk or I might want to do a run all of that just changes day to day based on how I'm feeling each morning when I wake up and so we don't give people the idea that like you're one of these people that just do that all day there's Right. You have no. this like super busy thing that you do um, all day, right? This is just to get mm -hmm. you ready for that. Yeah. And this, and, and honestly, all the things that I come up with, which it sounds like a lot when I talk it out, but it all just happens in my head pretty quickly. Um, so like I said, I can do this in five minutes. So I can take right. five minutes to do that. And then maybe the, the amount of time, let's say it takes five minutes, then the rest of everything I plan would take, you know, accumulation of 45 minutes or max an hour. Um, of self-care that I do in the day, but I just determine when and how that will happen um, and just go ahead and take that out up front. And then I work your normal, you know, eight hour day after that. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it reminds me of like, you know, in the airplane, they say like put the mask on you first before you like deal with anything else. Right. Um, you pass 100%. out, you're no good to anybody. A hundred percent, especially now, like during 
during COVID, it's gotten, you know, what I'm telling you now is what I'm using for my resilience, for my, right. you know, for an extremely stressful environment. And then the more stressful everything is, then the more weight and time I need to put into taking care of myself. And right. that's, you know, that's just basic mathematics. Like I need more recovery because I'm dealing with more stress. Um, right. Yeah. Uh Okay, so uh, bonus round here. Uh, influential books. I know you guys are like really big on, you know, learning and learning about learning. Um, yes. Give us top three. Okay. Um, right now, I am huge into nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, it is having a huge impact on my life. I'm actually reading it and listening to it at the same time. And this is the second time I've done this in the last six months. Um, I am really in a learning state about communication right now. Um, and so this is sort of my, my go-to book that I'm interacting with every single day and then trying to practice um, what he's teaching to me um, on a regular basis. And I find it, it's amazing and brilliant. And everyone, this is something everyone should read in my opinion. It would make the world such a better place if we could all speak to each other from a nonviolent place. And that doesn't mean violence as in like kickboxing. It means English, the way that um, the English language is set up is kind of inherently violent because it doesn't seek um, a deeper understanding. And then the way you phrase things and the way that we're taught to phrase things means certain things to other people that we could we could phrase them a bit differently so that they're softer. So there's more space for curiosity, basically. Um, right. And the next book that I love, love, love is Untethered Soul uh, by Michael Singer. He's amazing. And that book may had a profound impact on my life. I basically read it once a year. And pretty much every time I read it, I have these aha moments over and over and over again. Um, so he's amazing. And that book is profound. Um, and then I like anything from Brene Brown. Um, I've read all of her books. I'm, I listen to her podcast. I do. I love her. She's amazing. Um, and then the last one I'll throw in is I love science fiction. So one of the biggest, um, this year I finished the foundation series. Um, oh, Asimov. Yeah. yeah. And they're coming out with the, with the film or the TV series. I don't know which one, but the, I think they're coming out with the film just going to be amazing next year. I'm so excited. Um, and I love the three body problem, which is this amazing science fiction series out of China. And it's so well done. And they're going to create a movie on that too. So I'm super excited about that. I, I um, spoke with my, uh, my buddy, Jonathan Chung the other day, who did a pod about books. And mm. he was telling me that every, every CEO of like all the big important, like sort of, you know, Bill Gates and Elon and mm -hmm. all, all those people, they're like huge science fiction guys. And mm -hmm. um, uh, I mean, I think you and I have talked about this, like the, the value of science fiction is the expansion of the imagination, which is like a whole other muscle, like to think about what can be um, is, um, is kind of great. Um, so let's um, tell me, like if people want to get in touch with you and they want to become chosen, and they want to they want to join your gang and they want to learn about all this stuff that that you guys are so masterful at what do they do they can reach out to us at contact at experiencechosen.com um our website for the for the um 
in real life experiences, which are on pause for 2020, but we'll start back up next year, um, is chosenexperiences.com. And then our virtual uh, programs and experiences are on www.thisischosen.com. And do I, so I've never, I'm not a ranked kickboxer and um, I'm not like a Taiwanese tech billionaire. Um, mm -hmm. So for, can anyone come or do they, do they have to be like superhumans? Yeah, no, anyone can come. Basically the, the thing that we're looking for are people who are open and curious. Um, if there's an open and curious mindset, then we, and, and you and you want to come, then I think it would be a great thing for you. I mean, primarily, that's really the only criteria um, is that you're open and curious to learn new things. Um, and that's the type of people that we're looking for. And that's the type of people that we want to support. Um, so if that sounds like you, then take a look and reach out for sure. Awesome. I love you guys. I love what you're doing. I love all the people you've introduced me to. Um, they're all extraordinary human beings and um, uh, you're doing good stuff there. So thank Robin, you. I, I'm a big fan of yours too. You know, we, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot in, in common, a lot of common um, values. And, and I think I'm excited to see what you're going to do next as well. And, and I love thank your you. community. They're amazing. <laughs> thank you. Um, you just send me a picture of your dog. I got to, I got to know what a Bali dog is. I feel this is okay, like sure. big, like black hole in my knowledge that there's a thing <laughs> called a Bali dog and I don't know what a Bali dog is. So I got to, she's I gotta amazing. Learn. I'll send you over a picture for sure. She's beautiful. <laughs> wonderful. All right, Robin, have a wonderful day in Bali and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah. yeah. So I think that they're doing um, a new chosen digital event fairly soon. Um, so you might want to check that out on their site. Uh, and they do sort of regular community events. Once you're part of their gang, um, you're you're like in. You're like a you're like a you know it's like the mob. It's like you're made. <laughs> so they they do like um, all kinds of monthly events to keep people connected. And I I've been on maybe three or four of those events. And I got to tell you, the other people on the calls are just mind blowing. Um, really incredible human beings. Um, they do great work over there. At Chosen highly recommend them. Uh, so if you like the show today, hey, help us out, man. Um, hit the hit the like button, hit subscribe, leave a comment, tell tell everybody that we're awesome and get them to listen because um, um, we're not mediocre age, right? We're super age. <laughs> um, give us a listen, you know, wherever you are, you're working out, you're, you're riding a bike, you're like in your car, um, you're doing whatever. We want to be part of your lives. If you want to contact me directly, you can just hit me up. Um, send me an email, david at superage.com, and I'll get back to you. If there's somebody you think should be on the show, some kind of questions you want answered, we've got a whole ton of you know, world-renowned experts on just a range of topics coming up about how to superage your life. All right, we'll see you next week. Have a great one. Thanks. Thanks.